Welcome to episode number 42 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs, interesting people who tell their stories and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host for the show, and I'm so glad you stopped by to listen to today's podcast. We love comeback stories. Movies like Rocky, Remember the Titans, and who can forget the miracle on ice? Protagonists who were down and out, but came back to win it all. We love these stories. That's what we have today on the My Story Podcast, a comeback story. Maddie Fiorenza is an active duty firefighter and paramedic for the city of Anaheim in Orange County, California. He volunteers as a shepherd for Save a Warrior, teaches at the Santa Ana College's Basic Fire Academy. He is a trusted member of the Anaheim Fire and Rescue Peer Support Team. He's a husband, a father, and a brother in service, but he wasn't always this involved in helping others. After 10 years working on the busiest unit in the city, he received an on-the-job injury that required surgery. He experienced multiple critical incident stressors, including a divorce. Matt soon found himself in a deep depression with no escape hatch. Thoughts of suicide and his struggle with alcohol use and depression consumed his life until he finally reached out for help. Today we'll hear how he overcame these challenges and now helps others to do the same. Stay tuned for Maddie's amazing story. If you enjoy what you hear on the My Story podcast, please leave a review and a rating. This lets me know what you like and how I can improve the show. I also encourage you to send this episode to a friend or a colleague who may be interested in hearing today's story. And now, here's my interview with Maddie Fiorenza. Maddie Fiorenzo, welcome to the My Story Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about where you are right now. Um, so today I am at a treatment facility where I have an office. Uh, it's a first responder only treatment facility. We uh, treat uh, co-occurring um, post-traumatic stress and drug and alcohol uh, issues amongst first responders. And so, so you're a firefighter, firefighter and paramedic? Right. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I work for the city of Anaheim. I'm a, a firefighter paramedic, and I've been on the job almost 20 years. In March, it'll be wow. 20 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, how'd you get to where you are today? I mean, what, what's your what's your story? Uh, Where'd you grow up, and how to what all happened to you back then? Yeah. So, you know, long story short is I I grew up um, in Southern California. My dad was a Marine Corps uh, Vietnam veteran. Um, Orange County Sheriff Sergeant, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and, and uh, my dad was struggling with a lot of post-traumatic stress issues, and him and my mom got divorced at a young age, and um, I grew up very poor. I, uh, I just did a timeline on how many places I lived in my life with my mom, just to kind of put together some of the memories uh, with some of the places that we were staying, and uh, since I was a baby, and up until now, I've lived in 35 different places. Wow. Yeah. So we moved around a lot. Um, a lot of it in poor neighborhoods. My mom remarried. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, 
fear growing up, just being, uh, growing up in kind of some rough neighborhoods, um, and being, you know, kind of a mama's boy. And I, uh, I, I had to put on the tough guy, um, persona early on. I, I developed this massive ego and, and so I was an athlete. That was my winning formula. I was going to, mm-hmm. I was going to play sports and I would, that's the way I was going to, um, cover up kind of everything that was going on in, inside and inside my house. We were really good at, you know, Italian, Irish, Catholic family was really good at, um, looking good on the outside so that people didn't know what was going on, um, inside the house and inside and, and not all my childhood memories. You know, I do a lot of work today. I, I try to get the message across to, uh, first responders that are suicidal, that it all kind of started when we were, um, kids and that a lot of it's childhood trauma, but, um, being as close as I am with my family now, uh, because we we were able to work through a lot of that stuff. I, I, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. There were moments. Yeah. Um, so, you know, through, uh, through high school and, and the beginning of my college years, uh, I used drugs and alcohol as a coping skill. Um, mm. and that never ended well. And then I met, I met her and she was beautiful and I wanted to, to get my life together to, um, to be with this woman to create a life that I thought, you know, that I would never do the things that my parents did and that I was going to, I was going to do everything the opposite. I was going to marry this woman. We were going to, I was going to become a firefighter and that we were going to live happily ever after, you know, not, not knowing that there was some work that needed to be done. Um, when it came to my mental health and my coping skills. And so, um, this woman's mom worked for the ports, uh, the forest service. She was a purchasing agent. Like I always knew I wanted to do something in service, even when the wheels kind of fell off. Um, cause my dad and I really didn't get along. He's not on this planet anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to go the route of the fire service. I took a couple classes at the local community college. Um, I started off as a shipping receiving guy at a, at a engineering company and I would work 40 hour weeks and I would go um, to the gym afterwards and I'd take one or two classes at a local community college. Cause I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a firefighter. And I just chipped away at it and, and I eventually quit that, that job to go off and go to the, to the fire Academy, not knowing that there um, was a job waiting for me. It was something you had to put yourself through here in Southern California and there's no guarantees that you can get the job. And then I went all over. I worked as an EMT on a um, ambulance because the, it's either you work in brush fire on brush fire crews and go cut line or you, you go the medical route on an ambulance. Um, and I wanted to be a paramedic. So I did, I went the ambulance route. And so I, um, I finally got the job after about five, six years of taking the classes and, and, um, and then I didn't, I mean, I knew what I was getting myself into, um, but standing in some of these, um, moments, uh, of people, other people's trauma or my own, you know, I've had a few near death experiences on the, on the fire department, um, on fires and, with other, um, catastrophes or disasters, uh, electricity is not my friend. I actually hate electricity more than I hate fire. Um, I kind of have a love hate relationship with fire, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I, I 
that's not something that was, was really brought up or discussed in the basic fire Academy or, or the mm-hmm. fire Academy. We didn't talk about all the traumas and things that, yeah. And it's like, this is what you're going to encounter. Yeah. The, more along the lines of, okay, if this person's leg is amputated, this is how you treat it. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and but it wasn't, you didn't learn about how to deal with that mentally. No, no, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't discussed at all. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it, and not to, not to say it, it just wasn't part of the culture, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, it obviously it wasn't a, an issue until it became an issue when, when all these first responders, um, and veterans started committing suicide, mm, you know? Right. And so, you know, so these early years, give me a little time perspective. These early years are when the nineties, what? Yeah. The nineties, I got hired. I got hired. Um, I went to the basic, like I graduated in 1994 from high school by 95. Um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do by 96. I was, I was signed up for the classes. Um, 1999, I went to the basic fire Academy. I finally had all the curriculum done to, to do that. And by 2001, I was hired. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, just once I got the job, it was like, life's going to be so good now. Like this, I made it right. Like mm-hmm. here we are. Right. Like my wife was pregnant with my first son, like off into the sunset, here we go. Um, and then my wife handed me my, you know, she was eight months old, my eight month old son and said, I'm going off into nursing school, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, I've supported you this whole time to get you where you're at. And now it's my turn. And I was, I was okay with that. You know, I really wanted to, to, to support her and, and, and help her to accomplish some of the goals that she wanted to do. Cause she worked two jobs while I was off squirting water with, you know, mm. and throwing ladders at the, at the fire academy. We took a second out on our house. Like we just, she really supported me for a long time to get there. And then I got there and it was like, here you go. I would come back from work in um, week station four in Anaheim, which is on the West end of town, which was really busy, really poor side of town. Um, lots of trauma up all night running calls, but I loved it. I loved it, but I was tired. And here's this, here's an eight month old. Um, the breast milk is in the freezer. Um, have fun, you know, figure it out. <laughs> and, um, and it was hard. Like it's, it, as much as I loved my life and I love my job and I love my family, it was really, really hard. And I didn't, my coping skills sucked. They sucked. And, and, and when it was time when I had had enough or I wanted to escape or shut this thing off, you know, my coconut, um, it was to the alcohol yeah. and, and then the alcohol turned into, uh, the bar that turned into the affairs and, and I, and then I'm, what I know now is I've, I've got all this shame and then I'm, I'm using, I'm doing the dissociated behaviors and then I'm denying it because I have to go home to my wife. And, and now I end up after 10 years on the job in just a world of hurt, a mm-hmm. bunch of post-traumatic stress, all the childhood stuff is coming up. I'm not dealing with it properly. I'm now I, now I have a drug and alcohol issue and, and now my back is starting to kill me <laughs> and, and I can't, I can't ever feel comfortable. And now I'm having, now I'm having nightmares and I can't sleep. So I go to the doctor and he puts me on, on Lexapro, which is a, which is an S, um, a serotonin medication. And, and then I'm taking Ambien to sleep and it's just, 
just a cycle, huh? Yeah. It's, you know, and I want to, I want to love, it's like, I want to love my life. Like people are telling me I've had the, I have the best job ever. And, and, and then I'm feeling like some, when I go in there to work that, man, I kind of just don't want to be here today. Like I, I can't, when the tones go off, I cringe and my heart starts pounding and I can't calm down. And, and then, you know, don't bring that stuff home with you. And Hmm. I can't even get comfortable at a restaurant. I'm sitting with my back to the, you know, I'm situational awareness all the time. And, (laughs) and, and it just started to spin out of control. And Hmm. like I said, I just felt like I was, I was observing my life from another planet and I just wasn't living my life at all. I had some issues uh, spiritually. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I grew up, um, Catholic, I went to Catholic school. I, I had a relationship with a higher power. Um, it didn't look anything at all like it looks today. I remember, you know, I remember hitting my knees to pray when I wanted to be, you know, please God, let, let me do well on this test. You know, it was like, God was Mm -hmm. a, a, Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> and, and I didn't really have a, a, a clear concept in relationship. Mm-hmm. There were moments where I felt close. Um, I feel like I've always had a gift, um, when it comes to intuition, intuition and helping other people. And that kind of came into play later in life. Mm-hmm. Now I've kind of tapped into that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was just, it became a nightmare and, and I went through a divorce, um, mm-hmm. because of the infidelity and, and, and I couldn't own my, I couldn't own my shit. Excuse my language. I just, it was everybody else's fault. It wasn't my fault. Um, and then I wondered why I, I just, parts of me hated myself and, and that I couldn't, I just, everything I said, I wouldn't be all the things I, about my dad that I hated, I became. Hmm. And, hmm. and then with the hypervigilance and then the back injury, I got injured on the job. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, man, like if I would have gone through a roof on a fire or been killed, um, on the job, I would have been a hero, you know, or injured. I'd be the hero. And, and, um, I couldn't get out of bed Mm. because of so much, I just beat my body up so much and I felt abandoned and, um, and I, I just didn't feel like I was supported um, I tried a couple times to ask for help. I went to the different clinicians at the time that weren't culturally competent, that didn't understand what it was like to, to work with first responders. And I really felt, I felt like I was crazy and I was broken and that there was, that there was no way out. And that brought me to um, the back injury, which brought me to surgery and a lot of suicidal ideation. I, I just, I thought, I, I don't know who I am. I don't, if I'm going to lose my job, I got in trouble. And, um, while drinking, um, I got in trouble and I, and I thought, okay, now I'm gonna lose my job. And it's the only thing I have left. I I just don't want to be on this planet anymore. I'm so much pain and everybody would be better off without me. It's what I really, really thought. Like, um, I just, I just, gosh, I was, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I remember laying in, I was sleeping on a mattress in this, I had lost everything and I was injured. I was recovering from the injury. And I remember laying there in pain on this mattress. That I was renting this room, just asking God, why am I so, like suffering so much? Like why just come down and do something to help me? Because 
I've helped so many people at their worst moment. Mm-hmm. Um, just show, just covered them with a blanket or showed them some type of dignity. I just, mm-hmm. how did I end up here? What, what did I do wrong? You know, and you're at your worst moment and no one was there to cover you up. Right. Right. Um, and to those people's defense, I had pushed so many people away. Also, mm-hmm. I, there was so much shame and, and like, I'm supposed to, I'm a, I'm the guy that helps people. Like I, like there were so many times I, I should have just picked up the phone. Um, which is even now I teach this stuff to people. It's really difficult to do that. That's why I, I love working with in mental health. Like I do now with first responders and first responder families, because I see the courage they have to ask for help. Um, but I make myself very available to people. So that's kind of in the culture that you don't ask for help, right? It's kind of part of that culture. Right. You just, it's, I mean, there's a lot to it. We just, we, um, a lot of us have childhood trauma. We couldn't help, we couldn't help ourselves as a kid. And we swore to ourselves, I'm never going to, I will, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of everybody else. I'm going to be a superhero. And, and like, we just don't imagine that anything bad is going to happen to us, even though we're not scared of death. Mm-hmm. And we cheat mm-hmm. death on the daily mm-hmm. when we're running into situations that people are running out of, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, and then it happens and you go, okay, well, um, they're going to take care of me. They're going to take mm-hmm. care of me because I'm a hero. And they put us on their, their billboards when these politicians for the city are running for, for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when they're running for these positions, they want our approval. So they're, they're going to help us, right? They're going to take care of me. And then I'm getting letters from, from the city on denying things. And I'm going, wait a minute. Like, like I, I protected your city and your citizens and you promised you wouldn't, you wouldn't do these things to us. And, and it comes down to a dollar amount. And, and like, it's, it's really, it was really disheartening, disheartening and sad. And, and then of course, you know, I, I blame myself for a lot of that stuff because my coping skills weren't good. So I'm like, well, I just, I'm a drinker anyway. So, you know, I'm not a good example of the fire service and, and I don't just, I don't deserve this job and I don't deserve to be here. You know, I just, this, this hypervigilance that my, you know, our brains start telling us I'm, I'm not good enough. There's not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not going to get what I want and I'm going to lose what I have. And you pl- replay these stories. And that narrative started for me when I was a little boy, when, when, when the fighting was going on inside the house and I told myself I'm de- I'm defective because this is going on. It's all my fault. Um, no one else has this problem. I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and that just, those narratives continued to play throughout my life. So then when the wheels fell off and the dissociated, the dissociated behavior stopped working to numb out, all I had was just me and my higher power, mm. you know? And it was like, how do I, how do I, how do I get out of this? What do I do? Um, my option was to look for the exit and to mm. commit suicide and to kill myself. And, and thank God, um, I had my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and continue to reach out to the people in the department that hadn't given up on me. Mm. And they, they got me to, um, the right people who actually work in, in, in this arena. Um, one in particular, the council team international that has, um, 
um, started by Nancy Wool Tenrod, who's a, uh, she's a clinician who worked with first responders and, and they, through the union president, Rick Cheatham, who's a friend of mine, like one of those guys, like I said, that did not give up on me, got me to a culturally competent clinician. Um, and this, uh, I love this part of the story because I work with these people today. Like they saved my life. I, I went and I got well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I just finished this weekend. I just yesterday got done with a spouse's retreat that it's a, it's a four day retreat that myself, Dr. Odom from for, uh, first responder wellness by simple recovery. He started this program So Dr. Odom, myself, Shauna Hill, who was my clinician, who I went to, um, Tiffany Atala Hernandez, who also works with the counseling team international, who helped me also as a friend because she's married to one of, to a, a firefighter that works for Anaheim, uh, Mark, who's a good buddy of mine. Um, the four of us put together a spouse's retreat to help first responder families. Wow. And that's where the story ends. Hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. for now, it's, it's sure, not sure. that the story ends, but it's where, it's where we are today. So, right. so I go to Shauna. Um, she tells me, you know, I, there's a, there's a, there's a veterans organization that takes first responders. It's a trauma retreat. Why don't you go check it out? And, and I did. And, um, and I learned a lot there. Um, I, first of all, we met it. We, they taught me how to meditate. Um, it's something I would have never done. You know, what these men said is, look, the only thing that has to change about your life is everything. And that's the good news. And so I, I, I took direction from other men who, who got well, other first responders and veterans, guys I looked up to, you know, Marines and, and, um, you know, army Rangers and green berets and Navy SEALs. And these guys were like, these guys are my heroes, you know, and to hear them say, dude, you're, you're protecting us on the home front now. We're, and you've been doing it for years. Like I was in Afghanistan for a couple of years. You've been doing it for 15 years, 20, you know? So, um, and then I, I went home. Um, I got sober. Sobriety is part of my story. It's not a part of everybody's story, but I, it, you know, I had to be done. I had to, I had to make room and what, just a little thing about that. I, I needed the spiritual I need this. I needed the spiritual experience of the educational variety. I needed, I needed the 12 steps to show me what, um, how to get closer to my higher power and what that looked like. And meditation was part of that. And now God was out of the sky, you know, judging and Santa Claus sometimes. And, and that energy was in everything. It was in people. And now it was like, when it came to my relationship with, with, with my higher power and, and, wanting to hear how everybody um, experiences God in their life. Like I don't, I, I not, wouldn't say I'm religious, um, but I'm very spiritual. And I just want how I want to know how you do it. I want to know how you do it. I want to know how you do it because that just, what that does is that's how God shows up through other people for me. And I want to get closer by doing that. I want to get closer by doing that because when I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they said, Look, um, I heard people talking about, look, I don't want to take a drink today because I don't want to be cut off from my higher power. And I didn't understand that for a long time. It was like, I'm here because I don't want to die today. Like, and then it was like, I'm here because I don't want to lose my job and my family. And then I'm here because today, because I'm that far away from a drink now and I'm feeling pretty good. And then it struck me one day. Like I have a clear um, communication with my higher power where, where through meditation, um, I can hear, um, some direction 
when I can settle my thinking down enough, that's when the wisdom comes up and I call that God. And now I have direction. Now my life's getting better. And, and I get on my knees every morning and I say a prayer and that prayer is thy will. And, and then, you know, and now, um, I get to help veterans and first responders who were, who are in similar situations that I was in or the same situation that I was in when I was suffering, asking God, why now I know why, mm. you know, it's because yeah. I can, I can, um, help those folks take them to show them what's possible for their life. And I yeah. thought the end all was a fire captain leaving after 30 years with my head held high, the condo in Maui, you know, and with me and my wife off into the sunset. And that's not what happened. <laughs> I didn't know that I'd be standing in front of my peers, um, doing trainings, teaching meditation, talking about how, um, I was sexually abused as a kid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's yeah. not a career path that one right. one would consider, right? Right, and, and and there's no playbook for it at this right. point, you know. But I'll tell you, the 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 benefits and the rewards are exactly what the guys that say warrior told me. If you help enough people get what they want in their life and look at where your life is at, I bet you it's it's a lot. You're going to be in a lot better place than you are right now. And they were absolutely right. They said you got to be a statesman. You got you have to go. Go be of service to others without your uniform on and expect nothing in return and your life mm. will get better. And you have to give it away to keep it. And I just didn't understand any of that. And I do yeah. now. You know. What motivated you back, you know, in your earlier career to, to serve and what motivates you today to serve? I, I think there's for, for women, um, men and women in service, I think there's a part of us that, um, just were called to this kind of work. I, there's no other way to explain it. Obviously too, for me, I, I came from a family of veterans and first responders. So it's the family business. Um, I, for generations and generations, Italians and, and Irish folks in this country were cops and firefighters. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's the jobs that we, we, we've done, um, historically. And, um, so, you know, I think there's that, and I think that was my motivation. Part of it, um, looking back now and doing some of the inner work that I do on myself, I wanted to, I wanted to be like my dad and I wanted to, I wanted to make him proud, you know, and for a long time, I, you know, I hated that man for leaving us. Um, he's, 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 he's not on this planet anymore, but he's an ancestor and I know he's looking down on me. I, I, I feel like I get to heal him by doing the work I do today. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that it was, it was the excitement of, you know, putting on the uniform and, and getting on the fire truck and going code three down the street and, you know, and being that hero and being, you know, that's, that's definitely part of it. And then I met some of the people that did the job and they were like salt of the earth, like hardworking, just, you know, I, there was just something about, putting your life on the line for people you don't even know, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I was just drawn to that for whatever reason. So that originally that was the motivation. Now the motivation for what I do is I just don't want first responders and veterans to suffer like I did. That's my motivation. Now I, I want to make the, I just want to make their lives better. I want them to be able to enjoy and be supported with their mental health, physical health better than 
better than ever before for the, I wanted, I want them to be supported the way I thought we were really supported. And, and I just want them to retire after 30 years of service um, and, and just enjoy the rest of their years because a lot of us don't live very long after we retire. It's just right. hard. the average expectancy is what I heard 55. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It might be right around there a little bit, a little bit longer. And that's, I mean, I, and I, you know, a lot of that obviously is we're exposed to so much, you know, and, and here's the thing when the tones go off, there are amygdalas in our brains kick us into fight or flight that causes all these, this chemical dump in our brain. And we're really good at lifting weights to try and, you know, process those chemicals through our muscles and our body. But what are we doing for our brains? Right. And, and so, um, and that, that causes, it causes heart disease. It's just, so I think a lot of it is um, if we can get mental health, a part of what we're doing and we can process those chemicals through our brains too. And, and, and maybe have less and less of those chemical dumps. Um, I think over time we can really heal our bodies too. And I think that our, I, I just, you know, I, a pur- purpose is a lot to do with it too. Um, you know, you, why, why is that old guy at 90 years old standing in front of Walmart greeting people as you walk in? Cause he's got a purpose. Right. And this is a tough one to bounce. This is a tough purpose to, when you think this is your purpose and you're flying Blackhawks and you're, you know, you are going, you know, down range or you're saving people on the streets of, of, uh, wherever in the United States as a first responder, that's a pretty awesome purpose. And when, when you retire and they fill that seat with someone else, because they are going to. And then it's, do you remember that guy that we see once a year at the pancake breakfast, you lose purpose. And that's a tough hit for a lot of people. You know, we have at the, at the, um, a lot of our folks that come to treatment here are retired and that breaks my heart. I'm, I'm happy that we have the community here for them and the, the help for them. I, that makes me really happy, but it's a double-edged sword because these folks should not be, sitting on the couch all day drinking yelling at the wife you're today you're at the treatment center there where where you work but you're also still a full-time firefighter paramedic right yeah i I actually i wear a lot of hats today (laughs) um it's crazy even to go down the list i so i i'm a full-time firefighter paramedic i i'm on the peer support team at work i'm on the wellness committee at work and then i work for the treatment center and I do outreach for the treatment center. I have a company called Shift Wellness, and under Shift Wellness, we do the spouses retreats, and we we do training. So right now, I'm going. Right now, we're training North Net, which is Orange City and Anaheim Fire. Uh, Dr. Odom and I have a training we put together that we were really proud of. We get really really good feedback. Um, I love doing it. I love. That's where, that's part of where my heart's out is just, and then we do the spouses retreat where we just got finished with that. We really, um, I love working with families and, um, it's really effective to heal some of the women, um, too, that are hurting. Um, and that's a whole different arena that we're really good at. And then under that, we also have a, uh, certified, uh, first responder counselor, which is a program that you can, um, get certified to work with first, first responders, um, online. 
Um, Amy Morgan is the creator of that. She's a clinician. She's amazing. So it, it helps clinicians do two things, either be culturally competent and able to work with us or decide this isn't for me. Right. And then there's Academy Hour under that, which is online mental health training. And that's all, all under shift wellness. Um, and then I, I'm a instructor. I'm an adjunct instructor for Santa Ana College and the Basic Fire Academy. And I teach for them. I teach uh, the Basic Fire Academy, um, the new recruits mental health and how to meditate. And they send me all over to their departments that they have both law enforcement and fire to teach meditation. Um, I volunteer heavily with Sable Warrior. I, I went back because those were the men that came back for me. And I just, that's my volunteer work. I love that work. That work is my heart. I, I, it healed me and I love to watch the men and women who come through that program, um, get better over those last couple uh, over that four and a half day period. It just, it's, I watch miracles. I witness miracles. It's a refresher for me. It, it helps me stay well. Um, and then I work my 12 step programs and I see a therapist a couple times a week. I go to marriage therapy. I have a family. I have three sons. Um, I'm a very, very busy man. And, and in the meantime, like in between all of that, I'm taking phone calls from guys that are having a hard time. And, and, and so when do you sleep? Right. Um, <laughs> well, when I'm at work, uh, here and there, um, I got a pretty good night's sleep last night. I came, came back from this, the sage retreat, we call it. Um, and, uh, I, I got to go out to dinner with my wife and eat a big old fat California burrito, which I don't know. Are you, do you have those in Maryland? We have burritos, but I'm sure they're not California burritos. Okay. What, what, what makes it a California burrito is they shove French fries in it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've never had one of those. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. When you come out here to visit, we'll, we'll go. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely want to have one of those. Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, but yeah, I, I get, I, I get my sleep in. I, but my phone is on. I tell people, I leave my phone on. My family knows that if someone's struggling, um, I don't want to miss that call. So my phone is on 24 hours. It's sitting next to my bed. And if someone needs to call me in the middle of the night, I won't be mad at them, you know? Hmm. So of, of all the things you've done and accomplished, what are you most proud of? Oh, gosh, I, I think being a good example for my sons. Um, and how old are they? 19, 16, and 13. Hmm. You know, I, I, that's what it comes down to for me. You know, being a good husband, being a good ex-husband, just being, just being a good human being, just being a good man, you know, and not having to cover up uh, the, my true self with the badge and the uniform and the, you know, I could just be me and, and be happy with the man that I am and be a good example to my kids so that um, they can go on on this planet when I leave and maybe carry on some of the same things that I started in helping other people you know, not with a uniform on, maybe if they want to do that, that's great. But I think that's what it comes down to Conrad. I just, I just want to be, uh, I just want to be a good dude for them. You know, many of my listeners, probably most of my listeners are not in the first responder field. What would you say to them to, to a non first responder of, of what they can do to help support first responders like yourself? Um, I think, you know, I, sometimes just a thank you for your service. And when we're, 
out in public, you know, that goes a long way. Uh, it all, it always warms my heart when someone says that, you know, my answer to that is you're worth it. You know, um, there are veterans organizations and first responder organizations that are constantly looking for, for donations so that they could, you know, save a warrior is, is it's a nonprofit and it's other people's, um, donations and their, their generosity that save lives that put people in the seat. They put me in the seat. So and people can attend those things for, for free, right? They're free. Absolutely. They're, they're free. And, and Jay Clark, who started the program said, we just, we can't do it any other way. This is, there's no financial transaction for this kind of work. It has to be, it's, you know, it just, it has to be all love from the person opening their wallet, taking out the couple of dollars or whatever, or, or the, the company donating a million dollars to put that many people in the seat, we call it to save their lives. Um, that's where it starts. There can't be any financial, it just has to be all, and it just works that way. It just works that way. So there's donations. There's all kinds of nonprofits out there. Uh, next rung is another one. Um, we're almost done with our nonprofit. Like I need one more thing, um, on the plate, but first responder help foundation is the nonprofit. We're starting. obviously, the film that you're working on and creating, you know, PTSD 911 movie. I'm, I'm like, I, it's a miracle to me that people like men like you show up in, in the world. Um, because you, because something dropped into you to, to give back in some way to, to help us. And I think what you're doing is it's beautiful and amazing. And I think, I think you're, it's just, it's going to be really good when it's done. And I, and I know you're going to help a lot of people in, in raising awareness about what's going on. So obviously, you know, donating to, to the film being made. Um, yeah, I think, um, but for people that aren't first responders, we all struggle. We all struggle. It's not, it might be a little bit more intense for us because of the, because of what happens to our brains, but trauma is trauma. And, and sometimes, um, you know, good old folks end up in crazy situations where human beings, you know, having a spiritual, we're having a spiritual beings, having a human experience. And sometimes it's scary and painful. And, and so, um, I'm a huge advocate of meditation. I think that's good for everybody. Um, you know, if prayer is talking to God, meditation is listening, and it also heals your brain at the same time, be still. And, um, and what was that moment in your recovery where you were clicked where it just like the, the light bulb came on hmm. for you um i think i've had a few of those moments over time i would say the the biggest the biggest click was at save warrior during that week when i was like um i was doing equine therapy and i was like i didn't properly grieve and mourn my grandparents and my dad and i need to let go of all this story and all this all this ugly, all these ugly feelings, I gotta let, I gotta just let it go. And it's not the job. It wasn't the job the whole time. That's, it was like, it was all this unmourned grief. And then the light bulb came on. It was like, Maddie, time to cry. And that's what I did. And that's what I do to this day. I, there's no shame around it. I, if it's time to cry, it's time to cry. A good, ugly face cry. You know, obviously when it's time to go to work out in the field, but you know, the other day I, I had a, um, couple weeks ago, I had a two week old baby die. You know, we did, we did everything we could to save this child and we brought the baby in. We were in the emergency room. They were working the baby. 
the dad sitting next to me, I put my arm around him and I cried with him. And, uh, you know, I, now that that situation, it's still sad, obviously, but it helped me too. It helped me too. And that's not normally something we do, mm-hmm. but I do it now. Hmm. I do it. And, and, you know, my life is better because of it. So that's, yeah. that was it. It was like, just, just, um, just grieve and mourn, grieve and mourn. Like, like we're supposed to like this, the things that just change, grieve and mourn change when things change in your life. It's take a time, take some time to say goodbye. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. What, so one of the questions I always ask on this podcast is, is what are some of the life lessons that you learn along the way? What, what's maybe that one big life lesson that you live by and that, that kind of guides you today? Um, the big one for me is to, to go out in the world and help people without expecting anything in return. Just do it because you you want to because you want to do it. Don't have expectations because there are resentments under construction, and and I promise you, um, life will get better. Your life will be the people will show up and and you will you will get um, have connections with other human beings that make life beautiful. You know, just go out there and help people without expecting anything in return. Just do it. You know, I like that. So the one question that I always ask is when the movie about your life is made. (laughs) And um, so when you whenever you're working on a movie, whether it's a documentary or a movie movie, uh, you have a log line. That log line is that phrase or sentence that describes the movie. So when the movie about your life is made, what will the log line be? Um, Everybody loves a comeback. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, like it. I, I wish I could think of something more profound, but <laughs> I mean, I, there's a, um, yeah, I, I feel like that part in the movie, um, Jerry Maguire, where he get where the, he gets, mm. he would get, get junior gets knocked out and he opens up his eyes and does that full dance and all that. Like, I, I feel like that sometimes I feel like I was down and out and, and you're back and I'm back. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's, there's a, there's a quote about, um, you know, gosh, I'm going to mess it up and that's a shame, but it's about the memories you leave are not grounded into, into stone monuments. You know, they're, they're what you weave into other people's lives. Hmm. You know, the mem- the, the memories, what you taught your kindness to people, you know, I, I think that is what's, just carries on from generation to generation to generation. It's just, it's like that drop of water, you know, just, um, I'm watching some of that stuff show up now. I mean, I just had a conversation this morning with a guy who, um, from my suffering, he got help. He's, he had to struggle a little bit. We helped him through it. Um, but because of he struggled a little bit with some stuff, he's going to make it that easier for that much easier for the next person. It's going to be that much easier for the next person. And so down the road, I mean, in regards to first responders, we're just, there's going to come a day where a guy is struggling or a gal is struggling. She's going to raise her hand and say, she's struggling. She's going to get the help she needs and get back to work. And it's going to be not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we're working towards. So yeah. it all came out of, you know, a little bit of struggle. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what's the next big thing for you? So I think, you know, I feel like I'm on the verge of greatness. <laughs> and I say that with, I say that with all kinds of humility. Um, I just, I, I, I'm really excited to, to just keep, um, keep spreading the word. I really, I'm really happy with the training that we're doing. I, I just want to get in front of every first responder in this country and in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that's starting to take off. I think that, um, the retreats are a big deal. Like I want to step into a, a different role at save a warrior someday. I, I'd want it, I want to be the guy they call on the red X, you know, um, Jay Clark is a mentor. He's like a big brother. I love that man. And, and Brian Haggerty, Jeff Henson, um, Adam Carr, Mark Lima, um, from save a warrior. These men are Brad Gallup. I mean, um, these guys are, when it comes to, to this kind of work and like wounded healer, um, these guys are brilliant and they're helping so many people. And I just, I hope to move into a role where, um, I can get more involved, um, at that level, at the level they work at at Table Warrior and then bring some of that to the spouses retreats. You know, I just want to, re- I want to retire, uh, from the fire department. I love, I love being a first responder and a firefighter. I do, but I think that I better serve our community now. Um, not, not boots on the ground. Um, so I'm hoping that I can move into a different role where I'm just doing the mental health stuff. So that's the next big thing. And, and that's, you know, a day at a time. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. So what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? How can they contact you if they're interested um, in what you're doing? They can uh, email me at maddie at shiftwellness.com. Maddie at shiftwellness.com. And then I have a Instagram that um, my beautiful wife is helping me to... Um, get off the ground here. I think she's got, we're up to 491 followers from 430 the other day. So she's doing well, but it's shift underscore wellness underscore fireman Maddie. Um, and you can follow me on there and, um, I'm doing my best to kind of, kind of just, you know, document some of the things that are going on, some of the things we've got to offer, what, where I'm at, what I'm doing. I've actually had Um, people, I was on vacation in Las Vegas with a buddy of mine just for a weekend getaway where I posted a photo of me and my buddy at the pool and a first responder from the local fire department saw that I was in town and he asked me to come speak to the guys at the station and I got to go do that. So it's not about promoting Matt. I, you know, it's just about getting in front of the people and letting them know that it's okay to not be okay and, and, and offer solution. Well, Maddie, I really appreciate you taking time today out of your busy schedule to be here on the My Story podcast. It's really a pleasure always to talk to you and to to hear what's going on in your life and, to, and now to share it with uh, my podcast audience. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Conrad. I, I um, It's an honor and a blessing. Like I said, what you seek seeks you. And I have some really good people in my life today, and you're one of those guys. So thank you. Maddie, thank you for sharing your story on the My Story podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about the organizations Maddie mentioned, I've included links in the show notes for the podcast. Next time on the My Story podcast, my guest will be Janine Garcia. 
Janine is a serial entrepreneur and an immigrant from Peru who's built a number of businesses, including a successful real estate company in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Be sure to tune in next time for her story. Hey, if you like what you hear on the My Story podcast, I'd love it if you'd leave a review and a rating. Go to Apple Podcasts and just scroll down till you see the review site and leave a five-star review and a few notes about what you like about the show. I'd really appreciate it. And thanks for listening and for sharing. The music on today's show is from my friend, Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. And if you like what you heard today, be sure to hit the subscribe button so these episodes will show right up on your device. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast. Oh,